You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. We have got to make sure that we are having community input. Later in the program, the Community Justice Response Committee held their first meeting of the year this week. More coverage coming up in the top half of tonight's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, phone privacy on Better Beware, the weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. More following today's feature. But first, your local headlines. During the January 9th meeting of the Community Justice Response Committee, Monroe County Commissioner Lee Jones said that the county is no longer looking at Fullerton Pike for a new jail. This comes after the city council denied a proposal to rezone the property for the purpose of building a new jail. Jones said the committee would look at options further into the county rather than the Fullerton Pike location. As for the land update, I think it's generally known that the city council did turn down the request to for rezoning for the land on Fullerton Pike. So that is no longer in consideration at this time um, because when we first considered using that property. We had searched very carefully within the city limits for property that would be available, that would be suitable. And that was really the only property that we were able to find. So at this point, we are moving our search out into the county. And uh, there's really not a whole lot to be said to that until we've actually found a place and are ready to discuss it. Deputy Prosecutor April Wilson asked about a property owned by the county located near Catalan. Jones responded that the county commissioners have other plans for that property. I know previously there had been, I had mentioned the property behind Catalan, which is I think a greater than 80 acres. I know not all that's buildable. I think it's more buildable than what we, what you were looking at in Fullerton Pike. Previously, um, you had shared that an ordinance was entered saying that Catalant could, you weren't going to build on it for two years. But there's also been um, recent layoffs at Catalant, which would probably impact whether or not they're going to expand. I was wondering, one, if you're reconsidering that Catalant land, especially since it's much closer to downtown and important services for individuals who might be the most vulnerable. And two, I was wondering, as a committee, if the commissioners are unwilling to consider that parcel, if maybe we could discuss as a committee making a recommendation to Mm -hmm. the commissioners on ideas of land that would kind of fit some of the needs that are coming out in the surveys for both the judges and the local bar. Um, So I was wondering if we could talk about those two options. Um, Thank you. yeah, we'd be we're actually interested in any locations that might seem suitable. Of course, as we've said before, this is the commissioner's decision. And um, in the end, we are the ones who are responsible for this decision. Um, but obviously, there are a lot of other people who will be affected by the decision we make. So we will want to hear from others. 
And um, as for, no, we are not considering the Thompson property. There are a number of issues with that property that we have identified in the past. Um, there is the agreement to not do anything with it for two years. Um, then it's become a very residential area. Also access to it is very difficult. Um, we have not been able to determine a good method of accessing it for the kinds of needs that a jail would have. And um, <clears throat> there was one other point that I, is escaping me right now. But uh, we have a number of reasons for, well, actually, we have other plans for that property. Um, also, it... In the modern world now, jails are mostly discovering that they really cannot locate downtown. They may have originally located in a situation like that, but there are multiple reasons why that's no longer possible. And there are also multiple solutions for the problems that come up with it not being located downtown. And we have been spending some time looking into those solutions and thinking about just how this problem would be handled. Um, of course, this was a problem that was brought up with the Fullerton Pike location, and that problem doesn't change just because we didn't get the Fullerton Pike location. So, um, but no, Thompson is not being considered so one committee member asked if the county would be more receptive to working with the city to find a new location. Jones pushed back, saying the county commissioners believe it would be a faster process to work within the county. Monroe County Councilor Jennifer Crossley said the committee should be more community-focused and be open to working with the city. She called for greater transparency in the committee. The name of the game and the name of this committee is Community Justice Response Committee. Um, I've said this for my year that I've sat here on council. I've said this and sitting here in this committee is that we truly have to have community community input. And that involves um, both Monroe, Monroe County, which also encompasses the city of Bloomington. As I look out in the audience, I've seen folks from city um, that are here, whether it's city administration, city council, or just general members of city. And I do not think, and I will continue to beat the old drum for as long as I can continue to have breath in this little body, um, we have got to make sure that we are having community input. Um, if, again, our guiding principles talks about transparency, it almost feels like sometimes this committee can be gatekeeping those out um, as well. And so... I think that this committee could be used in a way in which we can really truly sit down and have the discussion. We're already doing it. We've been doing it for a while. Let us continue to have input um, and continue to have community involvement that does involve the city. We already know BPD uses and or books folks in the jail more than ever. So why not have folks that are already doing the job, the experts, that are already here to be a part of this. I understand there is a no, but I still continue to push back and will continue to say yes. I think we need to do that. And I understand that although, you know, again, 
there are lots of things that we can discuss in terms of, um, you know, properties and whatever the case is, but I do think that is the job and the responsibility of this committee is to talk about things and not go backwards and decide on a facility and then, then come down and talk to this committee. And furthermore, I would like to say, and this is the last thing that I'll say before I mute myself, is the fact that although commissioners have a say in building as a financial body of the county, county council also has a responsibility in that. And we also have a say in funding this property. So we cannot do anything alone um, without community involvement. And I would caution us to the wind if we do not continue um, and we act in the manner of just us versus them. This is we, this is community, and this is how this committee should act. County Commissioner Julie Thomas said that each government entity has their own lanes and emphasized that each should act according to their assigned responsibilities. I think everybody's making some good points. I I just want to reiterate that we all have lanes, right? We all have our responsibilities here. Um, council, commissioners, the the uh, criminal justice side, we all have our lanes and we all have um, aspects of this that need to be addressed in terms of reform. Um, and I don't think um, the uh, criminal justice side would, would want us um, you know, for example, on the board of commissioners to tell them how to manage their courtrooms. They have, they have their rules, they have their precedent, they have, um, that's their, that's up to them. And so I think we all have our lanes. I think we should all be providing input on everybody's parts in the process, but I don't think we could ever expect anyone to um, to hand over their responsibility to uh, the community, which is a very broad term. Community input is great, but who actually makes the decision? And so I think we just have to recognize that we have lanes, right? And that there are points where things are going to become um, much more community focused and points where we have to move forward and work our magic uh, based on our own responsibilities. I will say that the whole point of, for example, to say, well, you know, don't leave the city out. Well, of course not. And this uh, law enforcement uh, survey um, that I believe has gone out, but I'm not sure it has, but uh, that law enforcement survey is going to all law enforcement agencies that ever put any um, have any contact at all with the jail. Um, and that includes, of course, BPD. And they're going to have a louder voice because there are more officers from BPD than there are from Ellisville, for example. So they're automatically going to have a, a larger voice in giving us that input um, on that process. And then when we get to the point where we're trying to design the footprint of the entire area or the building and all of these other points. Yes, we need input. We need to know, you know, where all these things need to be and how much space we need. And I, you know, like, for example, today I was like, oh my gosh, yes, witness access. That is so smart. You know, so we all have things that we can uh, help use to inform one another 
in our parts of the process. And that's the whole point of this committee is to share that information and then to bring the community in as well at all of those junctures. But there are things where we have lanes. We cannot tell the judges how to manage a case. That, that is not our responsibility. And so I don't want to give people false hope that they could come in and, and offer that guidance and that it will automatically be accepted. The guidance will be welcomed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that something is going to change because that's not our lane, right? So I think we have to be really careful about that. Um, you know, be very inviting, take the input, learn everything we can, but we do have our lane. And so, you know, at this point, the, the justice side should be working on those processes and how they're going to change them and what they're going to look like. And we're working on the building side of things and council's working on the funding side of things. And so we have a lot to work through, but I don't, I don't wanna give somebody the false hope that they can come in and change the way that the judicial system operates at its core, because that's, you know, I'm sure everybody on the justice side would love the input, but but input is what it is. County Councilor Kate Wiltz expressed frustration that the county council's voice is not actively being heard in the committee. Jones pushed back against Wiltz's comment. But it's a, about a, a lack of transparent conversation around the activities and the the path that we're trying to take. There is a huge decision to be made and we get that it is your decision. It's dependent on good information and good input as well as a collaborative process of discussing that input and um, a mutual understanding of, of your responsibility. And I, you know, I, I just, I can't speak for all of county council, but Jen's point is well taken. County council needs to be on board with your decision. And it's, it's frustrating to not feel as though we are, our lane is appreciated, so to speak. I think it's simply a matter of we haven't yet reached your lane. Um, I, and, I am sorry. Wow. That's I'm sorry. We're at at this time, the task ahead of us is to find a piece of property to build a jail on. And that part of the task is up to the commissioners. We are not trying to keep any secrets from you. We are trying to be transparent. I guess maybe it would have been better to have not brought up the fact that we had had this really very remarkable experience until we had had a chance no, I, I will to write it up. Disagree. And I'm sorry, Catherine, would you please stop interrupting me? I will be happy to speak next. All right. Um, we, and um, as I think we are feeling a great deal of frustration ourselves because we have been meeting for quite some time and don't actually seem to have made much progress at all. We see the situation at the jail as being really very dire and we're trying to move ahead with it as quickly as we possibly can. We are not trying to cut out anyone's 
um, ideas or opinions, there is an email address that comes to this committee that is working and we welcome anyone's comments on that. Um, we, we like to have public comment in these meetings. They are supposed to end at six o'clock and frequently the meeting lasts so long that there's very little time for public comment, um, which we actually believe is important. So, um, and all I can say is, is I'm truly sorry if anyone feels that they're being cut out. That is not our intention. Our intention is more to bring people in at the times when their particular input and skills are needed. Um, and I'm just sorry that you happen to feel this way. Uh, as Commissioner Thomas said, ultimately, this is our responsibility. Ultimately, we are the people who will be sued if we don't take action on this. The courts will not be sued. So, I believe probably the sheriff will also be sued, um, unfortunately, since he's only just taken office and is not actually responsible for the situation at the jail. Um, but I think that that it should be recognized that this is not a situation that we want to delay for as well, we do want to move ahead as quickly as we can. During public comment, City Council Member Isabel Peabon Smith said she was concerned that the city has not been involved in this process. So I just have a few comments. I, I appreciate um, all the mentions of involving the city. Um, uh, we in city government, um, I can I think I can speak for the majority, if not everybody, we're very um, concerned about uh, community justice reform. Um, and we would like to, to help in, in any way we can with this county run process. Um, I, I was quite concerned about the analogy um, by Commissioner Thomas um, about us all being in separate lanes. Uh, how can we ever come together and work collaboratively if we all stay in our separate lanes? I do not understand that. Um, and it seems like it's only the commissioners who have the roadmap for these lanes. Could you please share with the public what the roadmap is when you envision getting input from whom. Um, uh, as for the location, uh, please um, keep in mind that uh, any location uh, should be served by public transit and currently public transit uh, is only uh, allowed within city limits. Um, as you know, the city council has expressed an interest to um, expand transit at least out to Ivy Tech and we would certainly be interested in expanding transit to a, a future jail location, but um, that is currently under the city council's control. Um, so involving us in this decision uh, would be very important in that respect. And um, really uh, greater communication with the city could avoid problems in the future because we do um, want to work with you. Um, we do have expertise. And I know Commissioner Jones just uh, laughed when she said that no. we want to work with you. <laughs> well, I'm we do. sorry. We do. Um, the, the decision about um, uh, the, the Fullerton Pike rezone, um, and I can only speak for myself, but uh, it was not um, 
sort of a, a spiteful decision. You didn't put us on the committee, therefore we're gonna vote against uh, that location. There, there were other reasons for that. Um, but just reflecting on what has occurred in the last seven months, um, I think some problems could have been avoided if the city had been more involved. So I, I am hopeful that um, we can be part of the conversation and not only through emailing the committee, but through active engagement. Thank you. The next Criminal Justice Response Committee meeting is slated at 4.30 p.m. on Monday, January 3rd. Good evening, I'm Abe Shapiro, and this is Disabilitin, where we cover the top stories impacting the disability community across the country and around the world. In recent weeks, New Jersey schools have been implementing new steps for students with disabilities to return to the classroom following disciplinary incidents. According to a January 2nd story from NJ.com confirmed by Disability Scoop on January 10th, quote, Some advocates say school officials, understaffed and overwhelmed by the mental health problems of students after the pandemic, have begun relying on psychiatric clearances as a way to quickly remove the most difficult special education and general education students from their classrooms. Others say schools have grown more cautious in the wake of recent school shootings and want more students, who may be violent, screened by professionals, end quote. The primary issue here is that the state does not have rules and regulations regarding how such psychiatric evaluations are conducted, who pays for them, the wait times involved, and how students can learn whilst they wait for results. A Senate bill introduced and passed by the state Senate Education Committee in September September 2022, would require schools to provide data for how many students are awaiting psychiatric evaluations prior to returning to class, but it neither describes nor provides directives for how and when to conduct evaluations and report them to school districts. The proposed legislation also requires schools to inform parents when teachers implement seclusion or, quote, the controversial practice of locking students in closet-sized rooms when teachers say they are too out of control to remain in class, end quote. However, the legislation has been awaiting review by the State Budget and Appropriation Committee and the State Assembly since September, and has not yet been advanced. Disability advocates say requests for psychiatric evaluations are one of many strategies known as informal removal or incidents that are not collected as data, unlike a suspension or expulsion. Other strategies include early pickup from school on a regular basis. Advocates also say these strategies are used by school districts to prevent children with disabilities from an education. But many educators say overworked school officials are using whatever methods they can to keep students and teachers safe. In World News, a typical journalist with Le Papoutin, a French newspaper founded in 1990 at a Paris Day Center for individuals with autism, got an up-close and personal opportunity to interview French President Emmanuel Macron this last weekend. Topics discussed included the president's personal life, his stances on the policies of Russian President Vladimir Putin, and current goals of the French government. According to ABC News, quote, journalists wrinkled out some remarkably intimate details and gave Macron a platform to show a more personal side at a critical juncture in his second term as president. 
His government is embarking on a high-risk effort to push back France's retirement age, a promised reform of the pension system that is infuriating critics and threatens to bring protesters onto the streets, end quote. On Putin and the president's current stance on Russia's current war in Ukraine, Macron said, quote, when you meet him like that, he's not unpleasant. That's the paradox, end quote. At interview's end, Macron complimented his interviewers by saying, quote, your questions took me onto grounds where I'd not been in other interviews, end quote. In the weeks to follow, Disabulletin will provide updates on the court cases we tackled in previous reports, including a nonprofit in Westchester County, New York's lawsuit against the rideshare company Lyft over a lack of wheelchair-accessible vehicles, and the Indiana-based Supreme Court case Tulevsky v. Marion concerning an individual's private right to sue. We will also be starting a new report concerning a Supreme Court case out of Michigan regarding a deaf student being denied his high school diploma over a dispute regarding accommodations. The case concerns whether or not families must exhaust all legal options under the Individuals with Disabilities Education and Americans with Disabilities Acts before filing for monetary damages following violation of their students' right to educational accommodations. In the months leading up to the Supreme Court's hearing of the case in June, Disabulletin plans to provide a history of legislation and legal rulings concerning special education and how such actions have shaped it over time. We will also take time to speak with experts about the implications of this upcoming case. Until then, I'm Abe Shapiro. Live and learn. Up next, phone privacy on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. You've got a cell phone, right? Almost all of us do these days, although younger people tend to spend more time with their noses pointed at it than older folks do. You've got a computer in your pocket more powerful than the one that took the first man to the moon. And it can be a lot more dangerous than that one, too. You might want to get something to write with. I'm going to give you a list of some of the most dangerous apps you may be using. Privacy is hard to come by nowadays, but some programs are much worse than others when it comes to spying on you and collecting data on everything you do. On Deck, a business lending company, did a survey that identified the five most invasive apps, the ones that collect the most data when you use them. They are Facebook Messenger, PayPal, eBay, Glassdoor, and Google Drive. These programs collect between 19 and 32 different kinds of data every time they're used. They admit what they do in their terms of service, which most people don't read. But be aware that when you use them, you're giving away where you are, what you like, who you talk to, and lots of information about your opinions and preferences. 
Commando.com, that's spelt with a K, has a list of the most dangerous apps out there. These are programs that compromise your privacy, load up your phone with bloatware, and open doors to install all kinds of malware and viruses. Most were available for a while in legitimate app stores, but have been kicked out. Ready for the list? If you've got an Android phone, beware of ES File Explorer, Dolphin Web Browser, DU Battery Saver and Fast Charge, and Super VPN VPN Client. If you've got any of those on your phone, delete them now. Then there's the bizarre SMTH, Send Me to Heaven. It's an app that wants you to throw your phone in the air as high as you can, and after you do, you'll probably have to buy another phone. If you're using an iPhone, beware of Words with Friends, Cam Scanner, and BetterNet VPN, which has a high rating but is affiliated with Aura, a nasty company that collects enormous amounts of your private data. Then there's Yandex, a Russian web browser that spies on you and makes it very hard to opt out. Finally, there are loads of dangerous games, like Chicken Shoot Galaxy and Trap Dungeons. Apple boots games from their app store if they discover they're dangerous. If you're playing games on your phone, check to see if they're still available. And if they're not, get rid of them right now. This problem is here to stay. Before you add any program or app on your phone, take the time to research it thoroughly on the Internet. It's your phone and your life. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. <laughs>